Welcome back to the Salty Club podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Creeper, and I'm here today with Brianna Ortega. Frustrated by the lack of representation in women's surfing, Brie set out to create her own space for water women. The result is Sea Together, a magazine dedicated to uniting and rewriting women's surfing through creativity and community. Okay, firstly, Bree, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. For those who aren't familiar with your work yet, what you do, could you please just introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about how you came to found See Together Mag? Yeah, so um, I'm an artist first and foremost, but I started See Together about five years ago now I think we just had a five-year anniversary which is kind of crazy um but yeah I started it five years ago just because I felt like I wasn't seeing a lot of different types of women being represented in surf culture at the time now it's really changed and there's been a big shift towards like more diversity and more different types of people being shown in ages but at that time it wasn't as so much so um I was just really passionate about yeah empowering women and I lived uh, in the Pacific Northwest for 10 years as a woman surfer there. And I kind of had to forge my own path as a woman surfing there because there were so few women. And so I think um, living in such a hyper-localized, male-dominated place, that's kind of where I birthed you together out of, which is kind of weird, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And then during this time, how do you feel like you've seen more diversity come to the women's surfing world? And what are some big shifts you've noticed? Yeah, so I would say a lot of mainstream um, like surf brands are trying to be more diverse. I still think we're not there yet. I think we haven't reached that point yet, but I think there has been at least a greater shift and greater awareness. Um, And then in 2020 with like the you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. I think that brought more of an awareness to it too. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, like I I love like people like Kirby Surfer Girl, like what she's doing. I don't know if you follow her. Yeah. Increasing body representation. Yeah. And Mm. just all these different people. I could go on and on. But yeah, it's cool because I feel like um, when I, after I started Sea Together, I would get all these messages like when I first started it I only had probably like 200 followers in December 2017 so it was like a little project and then all these messages were just rolling in people messaging me and then kind of down the line I remember a few other people would reach out to me and say oh like your magazine inspired me so like I started a group in my community or I started I remember Betty Zine in New Zealand reached out to me and they said they wanted to start something there so it was cool to see kind of like a domino effect of people just being inspired to kind of step into their own like ident- embodied experience and create something out of that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I definitely think if you don't see yourself like surrounded with like where you want to break into. I remember I grew up in Australia and in the West Coast in Perth. And I just feel like there were women surfers, but there definitely wasn't this strong community. And I feel like I spent 10 years wanting to start doing a few lessons, pulling back, never really knowing my place. And it wasn't until I moved to El Salvador where there was already such an established like community of female surfers 
that I felt like, okay, I can see myself reflected here. I can belong here. So it's, yeah, okay, there's something, it's so amazing how you have forged this path. And so many people don't have that confidence to be the first one out there, you know? So it's just so amazing that you've created these spaces and encourage people to create these spaces because it's it's life-changing, you know, for some women who are like, I've always wanted to serve and now I feel like I belong out there as we know, surf changes your life, your whole experience of life. So that's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was like a collective, like all the people, you know, supporting C together and stuff. Um, but yeah, I actually started it too back when I was chronically sick too. So I had all this extra time being ill. And so just doing Instagram stuff was easy, you know? Yeah, maybe we can dive a little bit into that. You spoke about having a chronic illness. Would you talk a bit about more about what that was and what your experience with that was? Yeah, so I had this autoimmune disease called colitis. And um, if you haven't heard of it before, I know a lot of people have heard of Crohn's. So that's something that people have heard more about. So it's similar to Crohn's, not the same. Um, it's like inflammation of your colon and like uh, autoimmune disease. So it affects like your whole entire body. Um, so I, I came down with it in 2016, um, really bad. And I think the doctor had told me I had it before that, but it hadn't manifested yet. Um, and so then I started getting symptoms and I could only eat like white rice, fish, and about seven types of fully cooked vegetables for the whole wow. three years that I had this condition. And it's a condition it's a disease that you're supposed to have for the rest of your life. So it's technically incurable. Um, so it was really hard. Like I couldn't exercise much at all. Like I could surf on days I was feeling good, but then sometimes I'd drive to the beach and look at the waves and then my body and brain would just shut down. A lot of people who have autoimmune disease know what I'm talking about, but it's like, it's weird. It's like your body just goes into shutdown mode and you have no energy. Um, so it was like a very, very difficult time for sure. But I think looking back, I'm grateful for that experience um, to just kind of, I don't know, come to a place. I don't know, just getting that experience where you come to the, kind of the end of yourself, you know, and I think we get all yeah. these different types of experiences in our lives where we come to the end of ourselves. And then I think when we get to that point, we kind of find something new there. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I haven't suffered a chronic illness, but I do know what you mean. For example, when I was pregnant and I wasn't able to surf anymore once I got past that point. And the thing about surfing is that it comes with us throughout our entire life, even in those seasons where we're not surfing or improving or in the water every day. And I think that was a big thing I had to learn because if I had a period of a few months not surfing or a year or something like that, it actually played with my identity a lot. Well, I guess I don't, I'm not a surfer anymore. And, and for people who do surf, they'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not a surfer, you might be like, what? <laughs> but it can really mess with your sense, like your identity, if you're not constantly surfing, if you're not improving, if you're not. So how did that experience kind of recalibrate your relationship with surfing? Yeah, I think it definitely has recalibrated my identity to not rely on all these like physical external things around mm. me. Um, yeah. And I think most recently I had COVID for about two months and it was really rough. That's actually when I did the last workshop with you guys, when I was yeah. like at the tail end of COVID, which is funny. Um, but yeah, when I had COVID, 
I think that was rough because I didn't know when it was going to end similar to like when I was sick with the autoimmune thing like I didn't know when it was going to end because I've heard of people having COVID for like two years you know and I just was yeah. so discouraged like my lungs were still so tight and constricted like even walking up like two steps mm-hmm. on, on a staircase yeah. uh so I think before right before I got COVID I think I was in this like surf focus mode where I was always thinking about surfing like checking the surf report like multiple times a day like kind mm-hmm. of obsessively almost in an unhealthy way I'd say like because I think balance is good in life but I was so yeah. focused on surfing and I'd always have surf FOMO and like fear of missing out and everything around the waves and stuff and I think having COVID kind of recalibrated me to kind of surrender that, like surrender my love of surfing and also trust and learn that I can actually surf even if I don't surf for a while. Like I can still go back to surfing and I can still surf. Like I think I have, I always have this fear like, Oh, am I not going to surf as good or something? I think you just like trust yourself. Like it's all okay. Like it's all going to be okay. And then after COVID, I, I just didn't check obsessively like the surf report anymore anything and I feel like now I have like a more healthy relationship to surfing where I'm still happy if I'm not doing it and it's not Mm. this kind of like withdrawal symptoms (laughs) yeah that's incredible (laughs) yeah I totally know what you mean that withdrawal symptoms because I think there's like the fantasy of the diehard surfer who like drops the day off work like drops anything if the swell's good you go right so yeah I think it's it's interesting to talk about because I feel like I've not spoken about this a lot with people and it is that thing of like you can still be a surfer without being a diehard surfer and it can become an addiction and it can become to the point of it actually being detrimental to your well-being I mean for me especially if I go surfing and someone takes a video and I watch it and I'm like oh that's not as good as it was in my head and I like get down on myself it's like well what was the point you know it was good to there's so many different ways you can experience serving and all of it isn't like progression and performance a lot of it can just be like I'm so stoked that I'm out here some of it can be the ritual before going out to surf you know mm-hmm. like I, I know when I was younger I was like I just need to get in the water and I would feel this anxiety but until I got my first wave and I'm like but in that I'm missing the whole driving down looking at the wave stretching warming up maybe having a coffee and even that itself is such an experience right like yeah yeah yeah. it's like the whole holistic experience it makes me think about when I'm older you know when I'm like 80 like Mm. you know when you're kind of aging more I want to try to surf as long as possible but I also want to be at a place where I can just enjoy the ocean in whatever way I can you know not have this like looming pressure on myself Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I totally understand. Going back to you said you had Crohn's and colitis, but you said you managed to heal it. I would love to hear a little bit more about that experience if you're willing to share. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really crazy story and I don't always tell people unless they're like open to hearing the story. Um, But basically, so I was getting worse. Is that the end of like, so I had it for three years. So it was kind of towards the end of before I got healed I was kind of getting worse and like um yeah I won't go into details but <laughs> having more pain and everything I don't want to get too gross <laughs> but yeah and then my doctor was like you should probably consider going on meds because I was doing just a non-med route for three years just doing like Chinese medicine and doing all these other things but not doing like western medicine stuff 
So I was fortunate to not not have to do that. Um, so my doctor was like, you should probably get on a harder medication because you're so you're like malnourished and you can tell by your fingernails usually if you if you push down your fingernail, it'll turn white if you're a normal non malnourished person. Okay. Um, but if you push down your fingernail when you're malnourished, it'll just be the same color. Oh wow, so it doesn't go white. Yeah, it'll just already always be white already. So I know people... everyone listening to this right now is pushing down on their fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going into full detail. Here. No, it's so good. <laughs> so basically, uh, my health insurance was ending too in the US because the United States is really corrupt and not everyone has health insurance. So um my health insurance is ending because I was turning 26 and going off my dad's health insurance. And so I was kind of like, what am I going to do? And so basically I was in this kind of desperate place and I ended up going back to this prayer place that I'd gone to before. I, I'd gone there like probably a dozen times before and like I didn't get healed or anything. But I went there this one time, two days before my colonoscopy and like final test before my health insurance ended. So I went to the prayer place and I, um so I'm like actually a Christian so I don't want to share that but just for the context of the story so I went there and I was just talking to God and I was like God like what am I going to do like my health insurance is ending like I'm getting worse like you know like I really need like prayer or like healing or something (laughs) so I went there and it's like this husband and wife who run this prayer place and uh, this youth group was visiting from out of town, like two hours away. They came into town and the husband guy prayed over the skateboarder youth leader guy from the prayer group. And he was like, you have a healing anointing to heal people. That's what he said over the skateboarder kid. And so he was like, you stand here and ask God for someone here who needs healing. And I'll come back around to you after a few minutes, you know. So the husband guy went around, was praying for other people, comes back to the skateboarder guy. And was like, did you hear anything? And the skateboarder guy was like, I think I heard upper abdominal pain. And I kind of gave it like five minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see if there's anyone else here. There's only about 50 people there. I was like, I'm going to see if anyone else, is for anyone else, because like, I feel like it's me, but like, I just want to make sure. <laughs> so they're just waiting for me. They're just like waiting, waiting, waiting. And so they're like, okay, we'll wait until the person reveals himself or whatever. And so I was like, I think it's me. And so then he, the skateboarder kid pinpointed exactly on his abdomen, the pinpointed spot on his abdomen where the pain is on me. Um, he didn't want to p- touch me, you know, because that's like kind of getting out of people's bubble space bubble um and then he pretty much just like said a prayer over me and prayed for me just like healing in Jesus name or whatever and like released God's love over me and I didn't feel anything and sometimes I feel things when people pray and or when I pray like I feel tangible things um but I didn't feel anything nothing special happened that was it and then I went to get my tests two days later done and everything and everything came back normal like blood work also all this blood work I had like 15 things were always wrong with my blood work it all came back normal and yeah except for allergies I still had an allergy thing but everything else was normal and um yeah so I was kind of in shock I was just like what and I think I was so traumatized from like the trauma of the three years being sick and going through all these other things with it that I didn't really believe 
that I was fully healed. I thought like, oh, maybe I'm only 75% healed or something like that because I just mm-hmm. had all that trauma. So this is the crazy part of the story. So that was like a more normal story, like someone gets prayed over, whatever. So the crazy part of the story starts now. So <laughs> I went back to Portland and I had like a little group of three of my friends and uh, and we used to pray together and um so I went there and that day I remember thinking okay I'm really doubting this healing and I want to fully receive it like I don't want my doubt to like block fully receiving it you know what I mean so I thought I'm gonna go get a box of donuts and bring a box of donuts to my friends and have us all eat the donuts and agree and pray that I'm healed and I know it sounds weird but that was like just thinking about as like a prayer ritual or something you know and so so I bring the donuts and then my friend Sam who like doesn't he normally isn't like a church going Christian like he just does his own thing he doesn't go to church or anything and so he was like I was at this church yesterday so I was like okay number one that's weird because normally you go to church that's out of character for you um so he said he went to church the day before and this guy there shared this story about this girl who had nine months left to live they didn't know what was wrong with her the body was shutting down and like just dying slowly basically she couldn't eat most foods and she went to a Dunkin Donuts at an airport which is a donut chain in in the U.S. on the east coast mm-hmm. she went to a Dunkin Donuts at the airport to get a coffee and the guy there said you should eat a donut and she said no I can't and he said no you should really eat a donut and she said no you don't understand I have this disease I'm dying I need to enjoy my last few months of my life and he said, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm a Christian. And God told me to tell you to eat a donut and you'll be healed. And she was like, <laughs> and then she ate the donut and then she was healed. And so my friend Sam heard this whole story at this yeah. the day before I bring a box of donuts because I'm doubting in my healing. And, um, and then, like, once I heard that story from him, I was like, I just felt peace. And I was like, okay, like, I received the healing. Like, I believe in it. Because I had already been starting to eat foods that I couldn't eat before, and I was totally fine. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, I always tell people, like, even if that whole story was made up about that girl and the donut at Dunkin' Donuts, it's crazy yeah. the timing how, like, I literally heard that story from my friend who doesn't even go to church the day before I bring a box of donuts. Like, it was just crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so it just felt like confirmation for me to just be at peace, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's massive. Thank you so much for sharing that with the community. Like, I don't think we get to like hear stories like that a lot. So I think that's really incredible. And oh my gosh, I'm just sitting here digesting it. <laughs> yeah, it's oh a really crazy gosh. story. But yeah, yeah. Thanks, for letting, thanks for letting me share it. <laughs> Of course, I thought you were going to say, like, it's a really crazy story. I had green juice every day for a year or something. So I was like, yeah, cool, let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because my birthday is in February, so shortly after that, because the donut thing was in January, and I had a birthday party with my friends, and my friend Max, who's, like, one of my surf buddies in Pacific Northwest, he came over and, like, brought me, like, an egg hard-boiled egg and like a couple other things that I could eat because I couldn't I couldn't ever eat anything and everyone knew that like they knew how yeah. sick I was they've they've walked through me like looking sick like even one of my friends was like Brie like your face has like more blood in it now like you used to be so pale because of mm. the condition 
um but he like brought this hobo egg and stuff that I can eat to my birthday you know because because <laughs> he couldn't bring like a cake he's like I couldn't bring cake so I brought you this I was like well, now I can eat cake so it's fine but thank you you're so sweet Thanks for, for the egg this. and he's like what you can eat anything now and I was like yeah oh my gosh put a little candle in the egg <laughs> yeah yeah Oh my gosh. But it just does show like when you went through COVID because two months is a long time to have COVID. It must've been just like, it's emotional for anyone to get like that kind of long COVID, but for you to kind of have gone through this whole experience, then to get another thing that kind of left you like, God, that must've been harder than for most to go through that again. It was very triggering. I'm not going to lie. I was like super triggered because a lot of the things I was experiencing with the COVID reminded me of moments when I was chronically sick so I was like but I was like this is not the same I'm like separating it from you know but like my my whole like like spirit and everything was so like discouraged and like kind of stressed out PTSD (laughs) yeah totally understandable yeah it can be hard like definitely to go through different things in life and then a few years later something reminds us of a few years before it but just to have that perspective and just be like this is not the same even though it feels the same I think it can help us out of a a lot of situations like that totally totally. yeah you mentioned that you hosted the last workshop for us your first fear in the sea workshop when you were coming off of COVID so well done that could (laughs) not have been easy to hold such a huge space while feeling so low I think you did an incredible job um but yeah, on I met you because you approached us to to do workshops with us and our communities. I think they're very aligned and I think we want the same thing, which is diversity and inclusion and just as many women feeling confident in the water as possible, right? No matter their age, no matter any of that. So um and how you approached me was you sent me a list of about nine workshop ideas. And I feel like even in looking at those workshop ideas, it showed me just how varied your integrated life experiences right it was there was things about being mixed race and like sense of self being mixed race there was and throughout all these workshop themes I won't say specifically what the ideas were but going throughout these workshop themes it all kind of centered back to either art or dance or writing and I would love to talk a bit about why you integrate this creativity aspect with very real very sometimes difficult experiences of our existence right like being mixed race that's something I think a lot about because my son is mixed race and I have a lot of questions about that like how would that feel to move through the world you know so I would love you to talk about it what is it about creativity for you that can help people move through or come to understand these different experiences because I got my master's degree in socially engaged art And so our whole program was about kind of just creating experiences for people to step into. And I think art can be used or creativity in whatever form it is, dance, whatever. It can be used as a tool to kind of understand yourself better, like the world better. And it, it's almost like using, like putting on a different pair of sunglasses, you know, Mm. like, (laughs) like a different shade of sunglasses, like, art can just be like that like you put your sunglasses on and then you just see things in a different way um and I think also that being said play is really important to me and I noticed a lot of times when I do have workshops I try to incorporate a little bit of like playfulness or like kind of coming back to like our younger self or our inner child I guess people call it 
Um, and sometimes people get really uncomfortable, I notice. Like they don't, they're like, why am I doing this? Or like, I'll have a prompt about like someone imagining themselves as like an ocean animal doing something or going somewhere, you know? And I think at yeah. first they're like, what? Why am I doing this? But then as they kind of step into that kind of creative space or mindset, then they enter into that and then they realize they're like learning something different about themselves in the process. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And I also think I see a lot of difference in how you teach compared to what I see in you is still this huge sense of responsibility to the participant and their like comfort and the sovereignty of the person who's attending the workshop or the person you're working with. Could you tell me a bit more about that idea about, because a lot of things these days is like be vulnerable, open up, and that's how you get the results and push yourself beyond like your emotional comfort zone. Could you talk a bit about the case for actually, if you're in a crowd of people, be aware of not going too far beyond your comfort zone? Yeah, yeah. So I think going back again to my, just my background in my degree in social engaged art, we would talk a lot about ethics and just the ethics of working with people and communities. And I think it's really important to kind of lay kind of a boundary out for people to kind of exist within and say like, hey, these are the boundaries of the workshop. Like you don't have to do these things or like, you know, you you can do it this way or whatever, because I never want people to feel pressured um, to also overshare when I think sometimes when you overshare things with people who don't know, it's not really helpful. You kind of leave like this kind of hangover after like oversharing yeah. over and you're like why did I share all that stuff um so yeah I think people should feel like they can also practice in the workshop like boundaries I guess for themselves um yeah. that they can apply to in the in like the real world outside of the workshop yeah definitely Thank you. What do you think is like the biggest thing you've learned through all these years of leading workshops and leading people through these exercises? What's the biggest thing you've either changed your mind on or something that you've really learned through that? Yeah, I think honestly, maybe one of the biggest things is I've learned more to just be myself and kind of trust myself and my ideas. I think sometimes I do things in different ways than other people or like my personality can be like a little quirky sometimes or, or you know um and I think that's my biggest kind of hurdle I've worked through a lot mm -hmm. is like just learning how to accept who I am and trust whatever ideas I have inside of me and usually those are the ideas that end up working the best like if I try to do something in a way that other people do it I'll do it and it just kind of falls flat, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think just really stepping into who I am and like in being who I am, it creates this safe space for other people to feel like they can be who they are and they can love who they are. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of the time I I wonder when I go to share something, it's like, am I sharing this because I feel like I want to share it? or I've seen other people sharing it in this way. And this is the only way that I'm going to let myself because maybe it feels unsafe to step out and go what the way I would do it. And I think that's one of the hardest things about creating like a platform or creating a workshop or creating something is how to cohesively like have your idea and to follow it through the way you would do it without kind of taking it from everyone else. I mean, I've still 
like got a writing like course I want to make one day but so often I just get bogged down with like well this is how this person does it this is how this person does it and maybe it would have different elements that are but even in our personality right and sharing ourselves Mm -hmm. to the world um if we see things work for other people we can just be like well we should just embody what works for them right like so I think you touched on a really big thing both in work and our projects and in life because it's so easy to say be yourself but a lot of the time we don't feel safe to be ourselves yeah I think that's a really interesting point to touch on and that's it usually your quirks and the way you see things and your different way of doing things kind of becomes your signature but it can feel so scary at first to be like I'm just going to go ahead and do it how I think it should be done and how I would do it for myself So I think that's important for our listeners to hear is that I think it's good to have people you look up to and maybe people you get ideas from, but what, how you're showing up in the world and what you're bringing to the world, it's like you're you for a reason, right? And you have your own ideas for a reason. And the Mm -hmm. reason they're maybe different or have different combinations than the next person is because that's meant to be like that. (laughs) We're not all meant to just do the same and be the same as each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just been a journey I've been on too. And I think other people can relate to feeling rejected in certain spaces or or you don't fit into this box in different places you go to, you know, like in grad school, I was like considered the surfer. So everyone kind of looked at me like, you know, like sometimes I felt like they thought I was stupid or something. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think but I'm like I don't know, you know, or like being mixed race. Like I don't really fit into any one construct, you know, or like I grew up moving a lot. So I went to six high schools in California, Hawaii, and Washington state in the U.S. So like always feeling like entering into these spaces where there's a lot of room to be rejected or to be like criticized or whatever. Even in grad school, I had this... (laughs) person a mentor person who in my final defense the only criticism she gave me was that I was too casual I was like what does that mean (laughs) she was critiquing like my personality it was really detrimental like to my mind it was it was definitely rough I was like wow so I think when you have like a history of like being rejected it can be harder to like really step into that um space you know of like loving yourself Mm -hmm. but once you do, then you just find the magic that's like in you, you know, that like you're mm-hmm. created to be like the person you're created to be is like a unique person. And so you just have to embrace that. And I think last year, I don't know if I told you this, but one of my main sources of income last year was leading uh, guided bunny, wild bunny meditation tours. So I would take people to meditate with bunnies and everything. And that was actually probably the most money I've ever made. <laughs> for really? Of my life. Yeah, I was making really good money doing that. It's funny because I tried to like get employees on and like continue the business after I left the Pacific Northwest back to Hawaii. And it just wasn't working out. And everyone was like, Brie, like it wouldn't be the same without you being part of it because like you're part of what you make you know the experience and I think it's true like so just like valuing who you are and like the uniqueness that you bring you know and and also in doing that then you are more easily um, able to accept other people who are different from you you know what I mean Mm, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of the time us not putting ourselves out there 
does make us hyper judgmental of people who are putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a protection mechanism to be like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not yeah, going to put myself yeah. out there that way. So yeah, what's some advice you would give to people who are feeling that way, you know, that rejected kind of not right, but still feeling like maybe they have something to give the world. What advice would you give them to kind of start putting themselves out there? Yeah, I would say it's always good to talk. Like if you, if you do have friends, I never want to assume that people have friends in a yeah. community. Cause I've always, I've been there before. Right. Or like in my younger years and stuff, but I'd say like talk to like friends or family or people you trust um because I think for me when I look back on the last how many years like I wouldn't be here without all the people that like love and support me behind the scenes and like people that don't get credit for like loving and supporting me or like friends that I call like I have like a friend Ariana sometimes I'll just call her and talk to her about my ideas you know and she'll be like you can do it you can do it and so I think that is huge is like the people that surround you you know yeah hold, I think hold you up yeah I think that's so interesting that you said you've had the experience of not having community because I think one one of the things we can feel so ashamed of and that is really something that you say I don't want to assume people have friends it's almost something that people can be ashamed to admit because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't have, but <clears throat> but people move countries, people move all over mm-hmm. the place. Sometimes you outgrow friendships. So it's still a very mm-hmm. real experience to be an adult and to not have that community. So I think it's it's definitely helpful to hear that you've had that experience too, because mm-hmm. as we were talking about before we started this interview is that you are such a community person and you do have community all over the world, it seems, especially in the surf community. And you're very quick to bring in other people to credit for the platform. You're not like, yeah, I made this thing. And you're always like, well, it's everyone who created this with me. And so it's it's just really good to hear that you've also had the experience of not having community. And if someone is listening to this and they feel like they don't have friends and don't have community, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. That happens to us throughout stages of our lives. And we can start again. We can seek out people when, of course, it's harder as an adult to be like, hey, you seem really cool. Do you want to go for a surf? Do you want to go for a coffee? And And that can be hard, but there's just such a big payoff to putting ourselves out there for connection. I think we can convince ourselves we don't need people because it's hard to need people and it's hard to like yearn for people, but we do need people. You know, it's just, we can't survive without it. Totally. Yeah. And I think before I started to together, I didn't have any women surf friends at all. And so I pretty much started to together out of that place kind of, you know, and then when I, started it then all of a sudden now I have like so many women surf friends all the time I'm like I don't even hang out with guys that like guy surfers anymore <laughs> it's kind of sad no yeah. I had a lot of guy surf friends in the Pacific Northwest when I lived there I still it, yeah mm-hmm. but it's so true it's like a lot of the time if you can't see the world you want to create if you can't see the group that you're looking for maybe you have to be the one to go first and to create it right totally I wanted to ask you what was your biggest takeaway from your New Zealand trip recently well yeah it's cool because I think in 2016 I was actually gonna go move to New Zealand for a year and I got a year visa and one of my goals was to like go there and meet women surfers and surf with people and that's when I got sick with the colitis and I couldn't go so I had to cancel that trip and then that's what the year after that, I started C together. So when I had colitis and then 
Um, I ended up connecting with all these people in New Zealand and I lived there. Oh, after I got healed of colitis, miraculously, I was like, okay, I'm going to New Zealand now. So I booked a flight in 2019 and I went there and then I met all these people that I met through my magazine. And, um, and then I went back and saw a lot of them on this trip two weeks ago as well. And so I think in that whole process, looking back, it's like, trust like looking back I would have thought why is this happening or like why I wanted to go to New Zealand and then it didn't work out but then it just worked out in perfect timing to where like Mm -hmm. I ended up going there after starting to see together and I met all the people I was supposed to meet you know what I mean and then got to live there and like form these relationships with people I have like a really big heart for New Zealand (laughs) that's so true I think a lot of the time if something a trip falls through or something doesn't go as we planned a lot of the time after some time we can kind of look back and be like okay that's why it wasn't meant to happen the way it was meant to happen I was meant to go to El Salvador because I moved there when I was 22 I was meant to go there I had my flight booked and I got so sick the weekend before I left I was in emergency and everything and I ended up having to cancel my flight meaning I had to put off my whole trip for about six months and it's just crazy to think now because I moved over there and then I met my current partner over there who's now the father of my child and like it, you can really trip yourself out thinking like if any and if anything had been a few months different what would have been different you know would I have gone there and then been like okay this is cool and come home or and then be living a completely different life now so it, we can trip ourselves out thinking like and connecting the dots looking backward but generally things happen like without sounding so cheesy they happen how they're meant to happen and maybe things don't happen as quickly as we want them to happen and I'm sure like chronic illness is just a massive testament to that because we can look around and think everyone around us is only succeeding and only moving fast and only fast tracking their lives right but I think it's important to remember that real life moves slower than what we see on social media and success is not as linear as we see like we only see everyone's wins around us if we really but I think that's also the important of grounding ourselves in the outside world and with people and I think that's also a big thing for business as well and for our things that we make is if we just do all of this community behind a screen we're not really in the community are we it just becomes almost about sure we get to like connect But if we're not really living and being amongst these people and like getting in front of people as much as we can, does it just become about like, and and, and I've, I've gone there before when I've just been working on the club, but just reaching out to people online and doing like text interviews and then just putting a photo up and just trying to get the content up, right? When you're in that thing where it's just like about the creating content, but then you're not really living in the community and it can just make a very shallow experience of your business of surfing, of everything. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And with Sea Together, I always tell people that I think the six, a big part of Sea Together's success came from the fact of how supportive like Portland, Oregon was and everyone in that community. Because I'd been living there for a while and like working at the surf shop and everything. Um, mm. And so everyone was so supportive there and yeah I just think that if it didn't start in such a place that embodies DIY movements and creativity and art and like progressing things that it probably wouldn't have gone as far yeah 
Well, I'm definitely not a perfect human. And it's it's actually kind of funny because I went through this phase where I got kind of burnt out on tea together and like always running into people and stuff. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny because my friend Vanessa Yeager, she she started the Facebook group Woman Who Surf. Have you heard of her? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. we always talk about this all the time together now because both of us started these communities or platforms or whatever and both of us are like we mainly surf alone these days because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your time off <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh gosh yeah we know what you're talking about too the three of us the founders of the club we also get to that point as well especially because we live in such small towns a lot of the year um we have erica in el sonte in el salvador we have mc in montanita and it's true you can feel like the second you step out the door there's someone you know or someone and also if you're kind of representing what you made like when you step out the door it can be definitely a bit like oh i just want to take that off for a minute and that's good you know like and that's a good reminder too is that us and our projects are separate no matter how much of ourselves we put into it it's okay to take it off and there's seasons to slow it down and I think so many people listening can relate to this they have their own projects they do have like their communities and stuff so I think it's refreshing to hear you can get burnt out and be like ugh, I don't even want to look at it for a while (laughs) so that definitely happened Uh, Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Brie. I got so much out of our conversation and I'm so excited that you're hosting another workshop for us. Do you want to tell the listener a bit about what they'll learn in the workshop if they come join us? And it's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, so I'm doing another Overcoming Fear in the Sea workshop with you guys and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, Yeah, and basically I kind of facilitate a space where we work through different writing prompts and um, creative prompts and kind of learn about um, identifying our fears and kind of overcoming them and processing them more in a deeper way in the context of a community space. So thank you again for having me back for that. Oh, I can't wait. I'll be there. And if you're listening to this podcast after the date is April 22nd, right? Sorry, just what time. Yeah. yeah, so we April 22nd. So if you're listening to this after, then the replay will be available. Oh, thank you, Brie. It's been so good to chat to you. Yeah, so good to talk with you too. I'm glad we had this chat together. Yeah. <laughs>